strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> just immediately hear your phone buzzing like bird. It'd just be one of those old like U-shaped phones and just like a tongue coming out. Ew! <laughs> Ew! That Ew. is that is decidedly gross. Borrowed that visual because it literally happens in that last. It does. Some, that game has some nightmare sequences that just kind of happen. Well, I you've launched into the first topic of the podcast. Okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. What about, about Outlast Two? Welcome to yeah. Welcome to the Four Nerds Save the Universe uh, episode twenty-five. I've been playing Outlast Two. It's Probably not as good as Outlast 1 mm-hmm. is mainly what I'm getting from it so far. It's kind of a letdown. Uh, I'm kind of baffled by many elements of its design just just in general. Like uh, Two of the main things that I'm finding really strange, actually, is like everyone knows about the battery mechanic. Because yeah. in Outlast 1, you have a night vision camera, and you can use it to document things, and like you point stuff at key items, and then it's like, ooh, I wrote down a note about that thing, and you can read like your character's inner monologue in text form about the thing that you found, which is always mm-hmm. kind of neat. That was all nicely implemented. Now it's all like really poorly implemented. So now instead of l- just looking at something and having your character instantly write down a special thing about that little thing and him losing his mind as everything gets worse and worse and stuff in the asylum, mm-hmm. now... You have to stare at something with your camera while a ring slowly fills up because you're Ooh. filming it. And nah. what's really what's really awkward about that is that a lot of the things that the game wants you to film for that stuff uh, doesn't stand still. And if you oh, lose okay. focus on it, it starts over. But like, if the thing you're filming is like a guy walking past a doorway or dragging a body, for example, then the moment it's out of frame, it's gone forever, and you can never get that note because you like. You only Forever? have focus on really? it for like ten seconds, as opposed to twelve seconds. So like it, you like didn't quite get it at at first on time, or you lost focus for a second and had to refocus mm-hmm. on it, or something like that. And then it walks away and it's gone, and then you can't, and then it's just gone. And you didn't get it. Like that kind of stuff happens constantly, which is really awkward. There's so, other moments where something's sitting completely still, but I can't tell which part of the thing I'm supposed to look at it to make the circle fill up, and then at some point the mm-hmm. circle just stops filling up forever because it gives up forever. It's so, really weird. What I'm lacking, and I, I haven't looked into Outlast 2 whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, what I'm like missing from in terms of like context and understanding about this game is like, who the hell do you play as? Like, why? So in Outlast one, you know, spoilers, but the uh, the main character um, dies. So yeah. who do you play as? Like, so, and are you going back? Is this a prequel or like? So to reca- some how does this work? Looking for your wife, from what I remember. So to, re- to, re- to recap, what happened in this franchise in Outlast One, you play as Miles Upshur, which is like an investigative journalist that hears about bad things happening in an asylum. So he sneaks in, and that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Outlast Whistleblower, the DLC that's two and a half hours long, which is like that's like half of a game by horror game standards. Uh, <laughs> Like true. yeah, compared to the original campaign, that's like half of the game. It's crazy. That's true. It's a very short uh, game. In Whistleblower, you play as the titular witch whistleblower for that asylum that that sent out the notice about what happened, what's happening there, and causes Miles to show up in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's a prequel to the original game. In Outlast Two, I'm at this point. I think I'm like eighty to ninety percent done with the game, and there's no reference of any kind to Outlast One existing. So I don't think it has any continuity. It's just another 
camera-based horror game where you run didn't around. Did they do that with Amnesia, that the different Amnesias weren't related at all? Uh, well, there's only uh, one yeah. other Amnesia. Uh, un- there might be two other Amnesias, I guess. Because there's Penumbra, Amnesia. Well, Penumbra is a different franchise. Those are three games. That's a trilogy of games. Yeah, and well, those might have to do with people, each other. Though. Yeah, but they're but it's a different franchise. If you yeah. call it a different franchise, that does no implication of it being that's the same a, universe. That's a good point. Uh, so I have a gap in knowledge here. As far as I've heard, I think a Machine for Pigs was its own thing. It's basically made by different people anyway, because it was from the Dear yeah. Esther people and uh. kind of collaborated with the Amnesia people a bit. But mm-hmm. uh, the Amnesia people made Amnesia: The Dark Descent and Amnesia: Justine, which is a free expansion. And yes. I don't know if those even were tied to each other, to be honest. But my issue is I never I, played. A, I never played Dark Descent, so I can't. I don't know what its story is, so I can't tie it to other ga- games they've made. Uh, but for Outlast Two, uh, I think you're investigating something about. I think they found a girl who died, and they were tracing her back to where she came from because she was like a missing girl or something like that. And so they're going out into the into the woods and the mountains on a helicopter that uh, ends up going down. Mm-hmm. And so you're just stranded there. You wake up from the crash, isolated from everyone, and uh, I think you find the pilot like horribly maimed in like a way that was clearly not caused by the crash, and your wife's just gone. And so you're looking for your wife for a big chunk of the game and you keep getting closer and you even make contact with her at certain points in the game. But then like things tear you apart and that kind of stuff keeps happening. Uh-huh. Uh, it's ba- the game's basically like a weird like religious war between two crazy insane cults that have it, the most bizarre beliefs that can't even be compared to anything really. And has she been captured because she's supposed to be some kind of bizarre sacrifice or something? Or what's what's kind of? Yeah, she just has a nice butt. It's, it's more or less that she, that she's she, her significant. She's she's viewed as she's viewed as being significant for different reasons by the two different cults that are fighting over her, basically. And um. it just gets gory and bloody and crazy. And uh, before long, it gets it gets too absurd, frankly. Uh, so in Outlast One you would find like cells full of people everywhere and mm-hmm. uh, you would take out the, like a, a lot of people are just alive in various rooms and locations all over the, the as- asylum and hiding or attacking you or just walking mm-hmm. around or some of them beating their heads on walls. Like just, they all do different things. And that's why it's kind of scary as you don't know which ones might be aggressive and does a lot of sections about navigating past a bunch of passive enemies, uh, mm-hmm. passive inmates but, like, bodies happen, but they're not, like, oceans of bodies. But this place you get to is, like, this tiny boonie village that ha- seems to only have, like, any any given area has, like, five, like, shack houses, and that's it. And then you go from place to place, and you see more settlements here and there, all sort of loosely connected. But, like, you oh. will just see oceans of bodies everywhere, like, hundreds so, of them, and it's, like, uh, incomprehensible how many bodies there are. So this is what you were talking about, where you were saying that Outlast 2 takes place in a very open environment, yeah. and the gameplay doesn't work as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll get to that in a second. Outlast 1 was an asylum, right? Yeah, yeah, Outlast 1 was an asylum, and that was important because it was in hallways. Right. Uh, so... Yeah, let's let's talk about that right now. So, like, Outlast One had a very specific uh, formula that generally mm-hmm. worked, and the game wasn't too long, so it didn't really get old very quickly. Uh, although it was, a, it did feel. Eh, I do remember thinking it felt like it was an hour too long at one point, but whatever. The uh, the basic idea, though, is that 
the vast majority of the time you were indoors and when you were indoors you had this situation where you were just it's always hallways and or side rooms and stuff like that so mm-hmm. if you if an if an if you were stuck in a spot where you had to get past an enemy and they were going up and down a hallway, then you would go into a side room and try to hide in the side room and hopefully not get attention to yourself and then wait for the sound of them to walk past, then sneak mm-hmm. by past them. And it was fairly basic stuff. And if they were alerted and you knew they were coming, you would try to hide in a locker because there was lockers everywhere in that game and hopefully wait for them to pass. And uh, if you were stuck in a scripted chase sequence where like, because there's always parts in these games where you get caught no matter what and the enemies see you and you have to try to get away... Uh, it's a series of hallways, so you would just keep running away from the enemy. It was pretty natural to determine what that direction was and what you're supposed to do in those kinds of situations. There on that side of the hallway, run the other direction, and then, like, solutions just present themselves before you, like, oh, a door, I'll open it, go through it, close it behind me, and sometimes the door would have, like, a big heavy thing you can push. So, like, oh, I'll push that in front of the door, obviously I'm supposed to try to do that. Or you'd encounter, like, a vent that you can jump up to and crawl through the vents to escape into the next region that way, like... It was always relatively natural to figure out what to do, and it was all a matter of reaction. It was like twitch reaction and just like tension, basically, while the while the soundtrack loses its mind and all that shit. But that only works if you aren't dying constantly. This mm-hmm. is a problem with horror games, is that they have an inherent way that they kind of clash with the concept of difficulty. Because the if a if a game when a horror game is not difficult and it's just and you're just running away, like you it. Like you can make them too easy, and that there's literally never tension. But so, you, but if you make them too hard, they become Alien Isolation, where the game becomes like Alien Isolation is an effectively designed stealth game, but it's really hard to be afraid of that game because you're literally thinking about like the formula behind how the alien works and how to manipulate that AI in order to achieve your goals, and you can't. Like, unless you're playing on, multi, like, super easy mode or something, like, you can't get through the game without going into that headspace because the alien is too difficult to beat just running around like an idiot and hoping to survive by being afraid. Like, that doesn't work. You can't just be afraid and run away and hope the alien doesn't catch you because he's too fast, too ever-present, and so on. And so that game's too hard to be properly scary, and instead, it, but it, but it makes up for it by being a relatively deep stealth game with crafting mechanics and all these different noise mechanics and AI things you can work against each other via like the human crowds and the alien and using them to distract each other and stuff like that. Outlast is not deep. Outlast Two is not deep, so it doesn't have mm. mechanics to rely on, but it's also too hard. And I don't mean too hard as in, like, freaking Dark Eater Midir in Dark Souls 3 fighting this guy for, like, an hour. Like, that, not that kind of hard. It's too hard for the goal that it sets and the feelings it wants you to have. Because I, like, I'm, like, actively trying to pay as much attention as I can to what's going on around me. And I, there's moments where I'm like, I just can't fucking figure out what's going on and what I'm supposed to accomplish. And That's the moment what happened to us in the first game where we kept going on this loop where we would run, try to find a new area to get to, and then we'd have to climb up into the vent and start all over again. Did it, didn't you two uh, give up on the doctor segment or did you yeah, get a little bit further than that? Just after we got our finger cut off, because it was, mm-hmm. to it be fair, was... after that segment, in my opinion, the original Outlast goes downhill really fast. It picks yeah. up. It picks up at the very, very end, but like, it's a lot of filler content from that Our point issue forward. With that- was because uh, we would either get caught before we could fully investigate our avenues, 
Mm-hmm. Or we would escape him long enough to get glimpses of other places that we could go to, and then we'd have to retreat up into the into the vent, which was our only mm-hmm. safe place. And then we'd attempt it again and again, but we would, weren't really making much progress. And at that point, uh, Carl was pretty fed up with the jump scares and well, everything. It wasn't even the jump scares. Like, so I can deal with jump scares. They they will freak me out. Prey is effectively a nonstop train of jump scares mm-hmm. uh, because of the mimics. But, like, those don't bother me. Um, mm-hmm. It's just the fact that it was nothing but run around and maybe look for a way out. Like, That's with, a very bad, confusing, yeah. redesigned, like, segment of the game, in my opinion. Like, Resident Evil 7 did the same thing, but I could deal with it because the enemy was slow but relentless. And Mm -hmm. you still had plenty of time to look around and you had plenty of audio knowing that, like, this person's coming. But they wouldn't, like, chase... They wouldn't sprint after you. So Mm -hmm. as long as you were just moving and, like, trying to find a way to go, you'd be okay. With Mm -hmm. Outlast, the enemies would sprint after me and unless I got, like, really lucky, I was pretty much doomed unless I could, like, find a hiding spot and stuff like that. And it was harder for me to enjoy because I didn't get the chance to look around or be interested in anything. Not to mention the entire environment was effectively just there as set pieces. Whereas I was going to say, seven. like, you didn't miss anything by not looking around. I know, so but, you know. like, there was just no in- immersion. You all you did was like, miss yeah. out on the batteries that you were also wasting by looking for batteries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is very That's true. Like too. Except more annoying. <laughs> um. So, I don't know. I was kind of annoyed about all of that. It wasn't a bad game, it just wasn't for me. And now that yep. I'm playing, like, deeper and more interesting horror games... Oh, yeah, I forgot the other reason why I didn't like it. Is I had played... Uh, Keith, what's that really good... Well, we didn't... Alone we, Survivor, we, we're still we like, We're still, like, not really through... Are we, are, we, are we trying to, like, change topics, or no? No, 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 no I was just going to say, that's why yeah. I didn't like Outlast, is because I had already played Lone Survivor, which did horror oh, really right. well. And so mm-hmm. I just couldn't get into it, because Lone Survivor had so much better of a like a premise and like the enemies were freaky but it was more the atmosphere and everything that made me scared than the actual like you know just being frustratingly chased down and murdered repeatedly if that makes sense i did kind of feel like lone survivor got samey like despite not being particularly long to begin with like you spent a lot of the game fighting the same enemy over and over again and there's such a formula to how to fight it that i didn't always feel like there was that much of attention to it yeah, I can see that. It felt like more of an exploration game that was atmospheric as opposed to like a horror game necessarily because it's more like I'm just figuring out where to go next in this Metroidvania like ish level design and also trying not to run out of ammo because I will literally it could literally become unplayable if I run out of resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um okay. The issue with uh out and uh, by the way the Dr. Traeger like I think I think Dr. Traeger was supposed to be like their attempt in Outlast 1 of having like a boss fight more or less in a game that doesn't have combat. Yeah, cuz like true. instead of cuz every other part of the game even after that is usually just run away or stealth yeah. through it. And in that you one You were in effectively in an arena. Yeah, that that was a circular area that loops around itself with all the different hallways everywhere and you essentially had to find an object that you had to find an object and a destination for the object, if I remember correctly, because you were more or less like unlocking something to escape into like the elevator yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. You we had to get to an elevator. elevator. Yeah, but yeah. We, and so you, but we and so you had a place either. where you could you could mix both stealth and running while trying to just m- desperately get around. And uh, I found that 
like I found it manageable because you could kind of kite him because he wasn't super fast. So you could actually kind of keep getting tables between you and stuff. But yeah, like there's definitely a moment of like, where the f- just where is the item I need? Because <laughs> like yeah, it's somewhere I mean, in this level and I'm running from him, which makes it hard to look for it. But and the problem is, yeah, like a lot of Outlast 2 just becomes that to an extent. Oh, really? That's a shame. A big and a big gap here that I think is important is Traeger de- uh, Traeger would deal damage to you, which is important. Uh, Outlast 2 enemies don't tend to deal damage to you. They tend they to just kill you. Kill you. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're doing this. So like you can hit, get hit like three times by Traeger, which is mm-hmm. way more manageable. But like imagine the same situation of like desperately trying to figure out what the hell your objective is and where they hit it and what the hell's going on. And also every time you get hit, you instantly die and start over, over and over again. Yep. Like there's just moments in Outlast 2 where I just spawn in a room or I fall like through a rotten floor and I'm like, oh, we're in a dark alley and uh, or uh, some sort of dark, creepy basement I've never seen before with no context. And look, enemies are in every direction. So it's like, oh, what direction doesn't have enemies in it? Uh, Well, that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> well, that didn't work. Okay, that's the way I go. Um, that didn't go. That didn't work though. I got to go left instead of right next time. And like you're just respawning over and over again, even on normal difficulty, because everything kills you instantly. Like it's actually so rare to take damage that I'm I'm actually baffled by the other mechanic they added to the game because I talked about the stupid filming thing that doesn't work half the time and is a way, and is really clunky and awkward. But in addition to batteries, they've also added uh, bandages now. So if you take damage, oh, you can okay. heal yeah. with a bandage. But that like that that would make sense sense in in Outlast one where you took damage and would have to like and actually had to worry about your health. But, but since you're getting two, killed, what's the yeah, point? In Outlast two, I like never use a bandage because I just die on the spot. There's like two times where I've actually uh, taken damage and not immediately died from that enemy and was like, oh, I guess I could hit the heal button now. And then the one third time where it's literally a scripted sequence where like, oh, you're so hurt, you need a bandage to do the story now. Is like, like uh, go find a, like those. go find a bandage was the objective basically. Uh, like that's one of the that's one of the three times I've used a bandage in the game, and I'm like done with it almost. Does <laughs> it ever bug you in games where your character is like ostensibly like fine, and then like suddenly cutscene happens and your character is like grievously wounded, and all of your like medicine and healing items don't do anything? You're like struggling along. Yeah, that that is a really really annoying mechanic. Like, I understand uh, it I from a story that, perspective, but it's just like yeah. uh, I remember or that the, or just like the feeling of like your reward for winning is losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happened to me today in Neo. I fought uh, Oda Nobunaga, and I, get, mm-hmm. I when I'm defeating him, the cutscene is me losing to him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but uh, but he wasn't that I, hard even. I feel like that uh, happened a lot in. Like old Final Fantasy games where it's like, oh no, your character has like some sickness and you're gonna have to go cure them or oh no, your reward for yeah, your reward Final for Fantasy winning this four. boss fight is your dead party member. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> Final Fantasy forever. Four leaps immediately to my mind where like one of the first things that happens in the first like twenty minutes of the game is two characters get turned to stone and they become statues, and then they're just dead for the rest of the game, basically. And yeah. it's like, that's just a status effect. There are <laughs> items that you take when you fight things later on in the game that, like, make you become unturned to stone. And yeah, it's a it hard thing to really... process when the franchise regularly hits you with a spell called death that you just shake off with another item that you just <laughs> use to heal people from death. <laughs> yeah, this death is a permanent death, unlike the other deaths. 
It makes it so that all combat and the terminology built into combat is totally divorced from all of the logic of the story in any way. Like, right. all the, like it's one thing that you teleport into a magical combat screen where you fight people, but also, like, yeah, I guess you're not supposed to acknowledge anything that happens in those fight segments. Like, <laughs> I think Sucker Punch, the movie, was inspired by JRPGs, basically. Because anytime anyone resolves their problem in that thing, they go into a fantasy fight in a different world that has nothing to do with what's going on. And then when that's over, that affects the outcome in the real world, basically. And I think that's how every JRPG works that has, like, the whole, like, early Final Fantasy style teleport into a weird da -da 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 screen where you fight things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Weird. But like, um, for to close out last, like, the, the biggest problem i have right now with the game because I, I i talked about i kind of started small and went big from like grievances like pointing cameras at shit to fill up a meter and then like oh it didn't i didn't get that note for my my camera oh no like only matters mm -hmm. if you care about like if you really care about the one utterance your character is going to say about that clip later or uh or like achievements i suppose are probably a thing for that but uh like the bat and the and the bandages are like whatever like oh those bandages that are pointless oh well i've played assassin's creed games before every single assassin's creed game has a new mechanic that largely doesn't matter because they already had a, a formula for those games before they added that mechanic uh but like it gets way bigger when you start dealing with the instant death things during chase se segments which is crazy because this in the previous game, you understood the uh, geometry of the game around you. It was these concrete hallways with doors, and like there's a formula to how it's all going to land, how it's all going to work out. You knew where a vent mm -hmm. would be if it if there was going to be one, or where a locker would show up. But this game is like collapsed buildings and cliffy hillsides and forest and barbed oh, wire. So fences. you have no idea. You don't have like landmarks to get you back have, to. Where yeah, you, you are. have no idea what your environments are going to be shaped like. So whenever mm. a chase segment happens, which is often like ch a chase segment that's that's scripted in particular, almost always happens by you falling into a place, which is inherently a problem because then you're like, oh, I don't, I already don't know where I am, but also I'm already running from something, <laughs> and so you have moments like, can I jump at that? No. Uh, can I climb over that? No. Uh, can the I AI, crawl below that? You know, nope. <laughs> they have the entire geography like magically just like injected in their brain, so they're not oh, like, yeah. slowed down by it at all. And like the game Why? likes to, like the game likes to have like a log tumbled over like a collapsed tree, and like the the coin toss of whether or not you're supposed to jump over it or crawl over under it is like incomprehensible. Mm. <laughs> like it's clearly not touching the ground, but you can't crawl under it. But sometimes you can clearly see over it, but you can't jump over it. And like it's just a gamble which one's going to work. Boy, that that sounds like a disaster. And, <laughs> so and what, you a just run headlong into it if you choose the wrong one. Just every yeah, single probably. time I every t every time I do a chase segment, it's just it's just trial and error. <laughs> I just Ugh. I just try a Oof. thing and then I try a different thing each time. Mm -hmm. And an, an additional thing that happened here is uh, it the game starts to feel very slender like at times because there are these wide open areas. Like these chase segments I'm talking about are just a lack of visual clarity where you can't t the it's not signposted what you're supposed to do. There's no Tomb mm -hmm. Raider, like, bird shit covered ledges that you can climb on that to denote that you can climb on them. Or, like, in Horizon Zero mm -hmm. Dawn, like, where everything's magically painted for some reason when you can climb on it. Uh, mm -hmm. This game's so chaotic visually that you just can't tell what to interact with. But on top of that, like, there's, there's the wide open slender type places, which they slightly, slightly did a little bit now last one when you go into an open courtyard in the darkness. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. somewhere around here is a gate. But like those mm -hmm. parts were pretty basic because it was like, 
a square shaped area and somewhere there'd be a gate and you're mostly just trying mm-hmm. to st- avoid the sound of the one monster guy that's somewhere around and not trying to alert him while you search so it's tense that's a tense moment it's actually my favorite part of outlast one like the scariest moment for me was when you're underground in like the sewers and somewhere out there you can hear the rattling chain of Chris Walker. I'm like, he's fucking here. I don't know where to go, but he doesn't hasn't found me yet. And like that constant anxiety is really good. Mm-hmm. But in Outlast 2, the enemies are way likely more likely to see you. Uh and in many cases, like I just find myself picking a wall and following it in a circle and seeing if it takes me somewhere. Because at some point, like is, I will have tried isn't that so how many most directions. People beat the courtyard segments though. Yeah. Like, you just follow along the wall, and then you climb on top of the wall, and then you just go around. Like This thing has a weird issue, because when doing. you're looking around, there's no signposting, where, like, even when you find a thing, you can't tell if it's where you're supposed to go or not. Like, mm-hmm. you find a barbed wire fence that has fire behind it, and you're like, oh, fire. Light sources are usually where you're supposed to go, right? And mm-hmm. when you find out where to go, finally, it was nowhere near that. Or, like, you'll find houses, and you're like, oh, cool, a house. This must go somewhere. And you go inside the house, and you can search around the bottom floor, go upstairs, search around the top floor, and, like, maybe there's one battery, maybe there's literally nothing, and it's just a house. It's just there to waste your batteries while you look around, not <laughs> knowing where to go. And I'm just like, the fuck? Like, there's, you get, Damn. you will often, sp- there's there's moments, where, like, especially this with, with this guy that ha- has a crossbow, where, like, you just spawn in, like, a giant circular area, and you mm-hmm. just don't know which direction's the way out. Like, it feels like searching for the randomized pages in Slender, where you're like, this, I mean, it's scary. It's kind of scary the first time, but if it's if you have to trial and error it over and over again, or or God forbid, have the same uh, scenario repeat, like it's just mm-hmm. not as interesting. And so, like, I, it's definitely just a game where I'm just like, try this. All right, I'll try going this way, and you just kind of just keep looping and until it works out. And it's it's weird because they have probably had more money and more experience to draw on, and more of a template on how to make their next sequel, and they just like didn't. So they they seem it's like they didn't know what made their first game work. Like I'd I'd be surprised if I found people that thought this one was better than the first one. Uh, I mean, I have some people that are saying that the that they prefer Outlast two because they think the story is a lot better. Which uh, I mean, it sounds like there was a lot more tooth to the story, at least based on what you were saying. Like with these factions, like it feels like they put a little bit more into their world, but. Um, so I, I just wonder if they build the game around the story at that point, as opposed to the other way around. Didn't we discuss this another time? So I, no, this I, sounds yeah. like news to me. Yeah. Have we discussed this idea? I, we, I, we talked I, about it last I time. I love hate the okay. story. You love so, what? There's something about oh, the story love, that's... the story. Yeah. <laughs> so there's two things to in the story, and I haven't finished it, so I don't know if it comes together in a meaningful way that's interesting or anything, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, the main story when you get there is those two warring factions. One of them is like this horrible, like religious leader that has taken control of all of the hicks in this neighborhood and convinced them of their of his horrible, horrible ways. And he's basically <laughs> it. It really seems like he's basically created like a sex cult where he can just use everyone what? he wants and toss away people he doesn't want and stuff like that. Like it's a really horrible, horrible society. That's just serves yeah. this one man. Like, yeah, like he's it, it seems like he might even have some sort of situation where he's like immune to syphilis, but carries it and just keeps <laughs> infecting people. And whoa, it's literally whoa, whoa, 
Oh, wow. like, like literally just throws them away in a place called the Scalded, where there's like the syphilitic like the, colony the, of all the people that he's thrown like used up and thrown away. Basically, like it's, it's a really fucked up faction. Whereas the so, other one is like the rebel faction that are like the paganist group, where like you inherently want to think they're going to be better because they're not him. <laughs> and but they're still really shitty. They're at the very least they're violent, which is enough mm-hmm. of a problem. But they're less disturbing at the very least. They seem to be weird mud men or something. Like like uh, they're always just covered in mud and have sticks and have like sticks sticking out of the mud that's on them. And they just they 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 tend to stab you a lot, so you don't do get they, a good look at them. Do they just want to like revert back to nature and stuff like man? Live amongst the trees. And I mean, that considering kind of who they're, they're up against, I think they'll take anything as an improvement. I think they're primarily defined in their in their uh, in their rebellion against the other group, basically. Mm. Uh, oh. But the part, the part of the story I don't interesting. The part of the story I don't like is the moment your protagonist starts experiencing trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. He starts having these weird flashes back to when he was in school. It's mm-hmm. like. I don't think it's even high school. It's probably like elementary school or something. He flashes back to like being at his elementary school with all the lockers and little kids everywhere. But there's, but it's just Wait, like was he he's, being bullied. Uh, well, it becomes clear almost immediately that uh, a a girl he knew in elementary school uh, killed herself. Oh, okay. Like via hanging, oh. and so he mm-hmm. just keeps hallucinating, going through the dark halls alone, and sometimes he'll encounter the dead girl or sometimes he'll encounter some sort of horrible weird like silent hill style monster that's completely not a real thing but like some mm-hmm. sort of like amalgamation of like tongues and limbs and shit okay. that will just kill you violently because it's a nightmare monster uh mm-hmm. and what's really jarring is that you will teleport between those two locations constantly in the story mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's cool like once or twice like oh you climb you climb this wooden ladder and you get to the hatch on the top and you open the hatch and it's this, you're in the school. You're in the pool area of the school now, instead of the like nightmare hellscape that is the main game. And you'll just transition between them fluidly as if it's one environment. That's kind mm-hmm. of neat, but almost immediately those places super drag because the issue with the school sections is they have zero direction of any kind. You just are in them, and you're like, right. uh, where do I go? To like get like survive for a set period of time and not get captured in those segments or something. No, you have a destination, okay. but. It's got a problem where it's got like a it's really awkward scripting stuff where like it's not sometimes you just go from point A to point B and and you can't always tell where point A and point B are sometimes but other times Mm -hmm. it's like a really awkward series of things you click on in order to proceed and you can't always tell what they are or what the game expects of you and stuff like that so like like so it'll it'll often do stuff once and never again like you'll have moments Mm -hmm. where like oh this time you click on a computer, and clicking on the computer is how you proceed with the story. This time you run from the monster, oh, that but also really frustrating. But also you have to hide mm-hmm. in a locker on the left side, which you've mm-hmm. never ever had to do before. It's literally the only locker in hundreds of lockers that doesn't have a lock on it, and you hide uh, inside it. And then when you slam the when you slam the locker closed, then outside the locker is actually the real world instead of the school, and you leave into the real world like. They wanted to have that transition, but they did it via a mechanic that didn't make sense, and they did it via a chase segment, so it was trial and error to figure out how to escape. Because oftentimes when you fight, when this monster shows up in the fantasy, in the school world, you'll just start running in every possible direction, and then dying, and then trying the next direction, and then dying, and then trying another direction, and then dying. Like, 
arbitra completely arbitrarily because we're using the same location over and over again and just locking and unlocking different configurations of doors, you can't tell mm -hmm. which doors do and don't open. And it's almost always lit the same way. So like the lighting effects of like Outlast One aren't really guiding you of like where to go and where to and where like what what places might be your solution and stuff like that. Like in Outlast Two, it the school almost always looks the same. So you just wander halls at random in order to get where you're trying to go, and it, it mostly just feels like padding. Because at some point, at some point, I swear like fifty percent of my playtime is spent at the school, and it's just one uh, location repeating. And it it's like it's not real school. <laughs> It just makes me wonder if they were, if they had multiple ideas for like ideas for like plot or setting, and they're like, oh, well, these are both so good. Why don't we just incorporate both of them somehow? Oh, you know, and then also the fact that you said that the majority of the new game doesn't take place in any kind of enclosed space, it's mostly like open courtyards and stuff. So yeah. they're like, oh, well, we need to use the locker mechanic from the first game, but where can we? Oh, let's have him, you know, have high school dream sequences. Yeah. I'm but not like sure. It the, might the be a little bit hard to infer that much, at least based on what Keith's told us so far. The school but sections they, are baffling because of the fact that, like, that's what they already did well before was internal internal locations where you run from a thing. So it's baffling to see them not do it right here in a game that is the sequel to that and like but i think it's because they specifically just made a school that every school level will take place in mm. instead of making levels for what they wanted to do but it's like the other like, the school sections just exhibit every single flaw the game has to the nth degree and they just drag like at some point there's just way too many of them they're too long they don't and nothing is accomplished in the vast majority of them it's just building up to some sort of jump scare against a with a, involving a monster you don't have any concept for the meaning of, and mm -hmm. like so it only hasn't like, imparted any like knowledge pertinent to the character that would actually play a role in the current story. Like I've basically found out, no, not not in the current story so far, and well, unless the ending ties it together, but like so far, like the monster will show up sometimes. The girl they keep using the imagery of the girl being hanging. They imply that the main character uh, liked her, and they imply, mm -hmm. and they imply that maybe she was suffering abuse. But like, that's over the course of like what I think may have already been like ten levels spent in the school already. Okay, and well, it's like, the, and like three things were communicated to me so far. The one time that I could potentially see is his what well, in this game his wife was taken. Maybe he just doesn't want to lose someone else that he loves. Oh, again, right, so. that was ostensibly the point. Wow, right. we have that right, story's right. going off the beaten path. <laughs> well, all right. So like that that I could see being the tie-in where maybe he did care for the girl in high school and she died and and wants to find a way to prevent his wife's death. I just can't uh, imagine. I mean, I don't I, think you really need a particularly strong external motivator to prevent to be like I don't want my wife to die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, but it just that's like, why uh, it's the reason why he has the flashbacks of the high school. Because yeah. like after a certain point, it's just too much. Well, yeah, because especially because like, so this random other girl. It's died. like spending three movies explaining how Vader went dark. <laughs> it's just too much. <laughs> it's way too much for one plot point. Mm -hmm. Like we'll see when I get there, but I can't. I'm really having trouble imagining the payoff for this storyline being worth. Just how much time is spent being sidetracked there? Because it's like half the mm -hmm. game. It's way too much. If it was a character we legitimately cared about, 
and we cared about his trauma, sure, but it sounds like his trauma takes place more than his actual character development. Yeah, and I think that for most horror games, you don't want to have the character have too much depth, honestly. Like, who who cares about that? It, it breaks, like, the player, like, putting themselves in, in my opinion. But Well, yeah, it breaks immersion if you actually have a character that you... Because you're, you like, I... Yeah, you're... In. Exactly. That's a good and way. It, and it's succinct, also a thing where, like, it. when I criticize this, I already know, like, the go-to response that's going to happen is that... Sooner or later, it's going to tie into the main story, obviously. And then people are like, well, obviously it makes sense. But <laughs> making sense isn't the same thing as being executed well. Like, I mean, technically, behind the scenes, when you have all of the plot points on, like, a bullet list, the plot of Final <laughs> Fantasy XV makes sense. Yeah. And it's oh, a yeah. nightmare garbage storm. <laughs> <laughs> it's still badly done in every conceivable way, but it technically makes sense. <laughs> Well, Funny, isn't man. the issue with that too? Didn't they explain a lot of the backstory of the characters through? Well, I mean, the arguably the biggest event for Final Fantasy fifteen is, you know, uh, the city falling in the very beginning, and they had a movie do that off, off camera. Yeah, Final Fantasy fifteen. Like part the of the story is the war is a war between two nations in a way where. The first nation falls off camera in a movie you have to watch separately, and the second nation falls off camera, in, and that's During never the, visible anywhere that you can ever watch. It, it just it takes away all agency away from the main protagonist. Like, <laughs> everything just dies off screen, including the world eventually, and all of your friends. Just everything in Final Fantasy XIII just always dies off screen. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing you're not the protagonist in that story, but let's not yeah. go back into that long-ass yeah, discussion. Yep. Okay. Stand by can me. We, can we talk about Prey? Go ahead. <laughs> it's fucking good. <laughs> Second favorite game all year after Hollow Knight. Puts everything else to shame. Prey is good. Zelda. Prey is fine. Oh, shit. You just uh, said it puts Zelda to shame. <laughs> oh, you monster. Shit. I've been playing Zelda so long I forgot it came out this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's Did kind it? of a good thing. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe third. It's it's a hard sell. Probably third. It reminds I don't me of know. when I played Witness in January of that year, and I was like, I gotta remember this all year for when I'm trying to think about what my favorite game this year was because it came out in uh, January, and I know I'll forget. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I okay. can barely I, discern one. I think month I'm to the still next. going to maybe put Prey above it. <gasps> so I like Zelda. No, I, I just took umbrage with you saying that it puts it to shame. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're right. Um, I was thinking of Horizon Zero Dawn and a couple other things. I mean, 2017 has been amazing for games already. Yeah. But, like, uh, Prey has Did definitely, we talk about like, how I totally agree me. with all your complaints you had, like, a month ago about that game, by the way? Which one, Horizon? Or Yeah. Yeah. We'll get yeah. to that, I think. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that later. But, so, um, so for Prey, I mean, you guys have played uh, Bioshock, yeah? And... Keith, you've obviously played System Shock too at this point. Yeah, uh, I haven't yeah. played a whole lot of System Shock, but everything about um, Prey, like everything they do right, is pretty much taken out of uh, the Bioshock playbook and kind of Bioshock, remixed. In its Bioshock is essentially just a streamlined System Shock two, all the way down to telling the same story again. Well, that's good because this tells a different story, which is probably refreshing. Um... But, like, 
I don't want to talk about the plot too much, but it kind of has that same, like, weird isolation that both of them have, plus, like, Dead Space mm-hmm. and some other things, where you're, as far as you could generally tell in the entire game, you're the only person left alive. There's a couple of people, like, stuck here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you're the only one that was left alone because you're trapped in this, like, uh, simulation bunker and everybody else is dying around you or dead around you and you're finding all these corpses and stuff like that. And, like, you read most of the plot via, via books and, but like, audio logs and stuff like that. But you're supposed to be on a space station. But, yeah, so the entire you point don't is know if you are on a space you're, station. like, on a space station and, uh, mm-hmm. the aliens, uh, that apparently you've been using to make, like, crazy leaps and bounds in sciences have finally kind of found the weak point that uh allows them to- i love that about the game that you can't tell if you're on a space station or not <laughs> like you just like are going through windows and shit and then it's like all like sound stages and stuff oh mm, good stuff <laughs> good stuff yeah uh so that's that's just the beginning which is really clever in its own right um mm-hmm. but like after a while, you very clearly find out that, like, yeah, you're probably on a space station. You can see space. You can see stars and shit. Um, but uh, it's just they so they made a really weird decision to have effectively head crabs come back. Uh, if you've played <laughs> Half-Life, the uh, the basic enemy from uh, from Prey is a, it's like a little spidery crab thing. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely a brilliant decision. All of the uh, all of the enemies can hide themselves as like coffee cups, tables, chairs. We would like to name it to prop hunt. Yeah, I, I was I was calling it horror fro- prop hunt because it totally does that. It's it's this like scary version of like you go into a room and there's like a bunch of med kits and like loot but objects and you have to ask two yourself. Trash cans in the room jiggles. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or I ran into it's a, a room. Mimic. <laughs> yeah, late at night, actually, uh, I ran into a room, and I, I walked in, and I'm like, oh, there's the Mimic, I shoot the Mimic, and then every other prop in the room proceeds to turn into a Mimic, mob me, and kill That's me, and I'm just cool. like, what? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was such a good feeling, and it's like, it's one of the few games where, like, death doesn't bother me, because I know that I can do it better the second time around, generally. It's a very uh, delightful game. Like to be scared in, like it yeah. gets the. Oh yeah, it, it's I'm not even, so good. It's I'm not good. even like scared half the time. It's just like, it's I'm tense. I I'm not mm-hmm. freaked out. I'm not worried that I'm going to die. I know that I'm going to die. I've accepted that part. I it's just a matter of like, um, you know, trying to prolong it or prolong my like uh, my run as long as possible before I have to like reload and redo things. Um, and that just feels really in fun and interesting i guess mm-hmm. um there are like harder enemies but even then they only take like four shots with a shotgun so if you've got like good maneuvering and and it's like uh you, you're using stuff to your advantage you can pretty much just like bum rush an enemy uh to death uh or, like one of the powers they give you immediately is like the kind of classic combat slowdown maneuver um mm-hmm. max pain yeah and uh pretty i guess pretty far in you get the ability to recharge your special meter and so at this point every time i like run into Aww. anything that's like kind of harsh yeah uh anytime I, I run into one of these guys i effectively like figure out figure out how to get above them and then mm-hmm. like leap down onto them slow-mo style shooting them in the face and then they're just down and then they can't hurt you 
And yet I'm still scared every single time I see one of them, even though I know I can kick their asses. It's just like, yeah, this is this is this is how you design a good game. Apparently nightmare difficulty makes it legit scary because everything is gonna kill you. But uh I'm not what gonna play on that difficulty. On? I'm just playing on normal. Uh oh, okay. the one problem with the game is uh you have limited resources uh for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing on like nightmare, you legitimately do not have a, like you will run out of ammo. Whereas right now mm-hmm. I'm just kind of staying about even, though I recycled like half of my med kits because I was not using any of them. Oh yeah, that's one of the other things I really like about the game. They actually give you uh, tons of health kits uh, mm-hmm. in the forms of these like little robotic operators and little safe rooms that will heal you up to full, repair your armor, you know. Uh, it does like the Half-Life 2 armor style thing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So as long as you can make it back to a safe point, even if you've only got 20 HP, you're good to go and you can go back up to full. And I kind of like that, because, you know... That's kind of like uh, the System Shock 2 way, pretty much. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. In System Shock 2, how did it work, Keith? Uh, if you just died, it was, like, no consequence. But if you barely survived something, it was, like, shit. And you probably should have just died instead. Um. So, much like Bioshock, you had Vita Chambers that would revive you. Mm-hmm. But you had to find them. Yeah. So if you didn't find one, then I think when you died, you just had to reload a save because you just yeah. Couldn't it was a game that had anywhere. both checkpoints and quick saves, which was yeah. Whereas an once you had once, choice, once you but... had your uh, chamber unlocked, then every time you died, you respawn for like for the cost of like ten currency, basically. Mm-hmm. Like you lose cheap. money each time you die a little bit. It was super cheap, but uh, honestly, almost immediately, I just re- start. I I almost immediately refused to ever get killed that way and revived that way mm-hmm. I would just always uh, load a save every time I died because even if it was a little while ago like going all the way to some location that I spawn at when I die and finding my way all the way back to where I was was like way more hassle than just reloading a save mm-hmm. but so in Prey you have like these health kits then is that what you're saying Wander? Uh, well you've got uh, you've got tons of health kits but you've also got like little robots that you can go talk to when you die, you're dead. Oh. You have to reload. But um, does it have uh, quick saves? Yeah. Oh, constantly. In fact, um, I'm I'm super happy with it. The load times are really short, and the quick saves are instant. Like it doesn't even like chug the game at all. Like I, I've cool. noticed with a lot of games, I guess older games, quick saving, it would like hang for a moment. Oh yeah, yes. I'm playing Morrowind right now, and if I press a quick save, <laughs> quote unquote, then a progress bar fills up for like ten seconds. Well, yeah, but I mean, compared to how long a regular save took back then, like it yeah, was where you'd have snappy. to open a menu, <laughs> click on save, create new save, manually type mm-hmm. in the name of your save, then wait for the progress bar. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, tell us more about Bray. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'd like to talk more, but it's kind of one of those where I want to finish it first. Because it's Fair one point. of those where the plot could actually go in, like, really wacky way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, I almost get the feeling they're going to do one of my, like, least favorite uh, plot twists in a <laughs> in a way that, like, I'm actually going to like. And that is such a weird feeling for me. Yeah, because one of your most despised ones is, it was all a dream. Or it was all a facade, or... Well, I mean, that's almost guaranteed with how this game is setting everything up. Well, yeah, so part of it is, like, they set it up that your character has been stuck in this, like, um, mind loop. Mm -hmm. uh, Where, like, you haven't been, like, you've been stuck 
uh, reliving, what is it, February Chocolate. something or other? No, 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 mm -hmm. March 25th for literally years. We're playing a lot and of Groundhog's Day games. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Um, but you've been reliving this for so long that three years have gone by and you have no idea. Yes. And I think that's I think that's really cool, especially because uh it kind of sets the game up for like very potentially like, yeah, this was all this was all fake. Um but I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk about it more because it might like actually spoil major plot points. Mm. It was a, uh, it was an old 4chan thing that I read a long time ago that did that specific thing really, really well, where the characters were stuck in this loop. Yeah, so this was back when, uh, this was a thread where, um, it was kind of like Homestuck before Homestuck, like, took that idea and ran with it. But, um, so all the people would, like, play along and, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and it was called Ruby Quest. And, uh, like, the big reveal at the very end was that, like, it, you go and you talk to this character that uh, is actually the first time you've ever seen that character. And they just, like, it, see you, immediately recognize the characters, and then just start saying, like, oh, good to see you again. You must have, like, done really well to get here again. And then they revealed that, like, this was actually, like, the, um, I think they said it was, like, the 60th time the player characters had actually reached that point before. That's actually was, something I, I do like. Oh, it was with scary. The, with the, like, <laughs> it was all a dream thing, mm -hmm. I really love it when if when it's, like, Groundhog's Day. Like, by the way, all everything you just experienced was, like, fake. Yeah. Uh, or not, not fake, sorry. Everything you just experienced, uh, you've done before, like, countless times. Mm-hmm. But it's good when people break out of it. It's sort of like, what, the <laughs> show? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Time loops. Time loops make me happy because, like, it's so interesting. I I really appreciate it when like a time loop has like the characters like go off the rails by like the third or fourth time. They're just like, screw it, we're gonna do it this way. Boy, do I have oh, a Doctor yeah. Who episode for you? Groundhog Day. <laughs> like he kept like he kept trying to figure out how to break out of the time loop, and then after that, like he he just accepted care. it and used it to improve himself. I, yeah. I always absolutely loved that about that movie. Yeah. Initially, though, he was actually starting to fool around with people and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. oh, watch for this. You know, this yeah, is going to happen. Yeah, he was a dick at the start of that movie. <laughs> he wasn't a very nice dude at all. And then he became, like, a superhuman. And it's like the whole I saw that Scrooge thing. Yeah, I no. saw that as a little kid, and I was like, someday I want to I wanna be as cool as him. <laughs> and <laughs> then I tried and realized it was really hard, so I gave up. <laughs> what about uh, yeah, the important thing to uh, do as you grow up is just uh, compromise your ideals. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and and just sort of just generally give up. <laughs> We're old, by the way. You know that we're all really old now. Yeah, we're ancient people. It's weird. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. today I had the Not crushing. Really. Today I had the crushing realization going through my Discord chat, that it's full of all these little teenagers. And yeah. I realized that teenagers nowadays uh, were born after The Matrix came out. <laughs> wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that, that, okay, that, that hits me. 
<laughs> exactly. That's like, like normally, like I, the number game is like, haha, drive that stake into somebody else, and I don't really feel it. This that one specifically, I'm like, oh fuck. Because <laughs> yeah, that was. It's sort of like when my mom was talking about how she took my uncle to see Star Wars in theaters. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. To be fair, we do have people a fair bit older than us making fun of us in in my chat right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I Omni. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, the the funny thing happens because, like, like in my generation, it was pretty normal to not get uh, Star Wars as like why it was different or special or anything like that. And now kids and teenagers don't get the Matrix. Like, they don't understand that like really? everything changed. Oh and, like, man, don't like, tell act- me that. Like when Matrix came out, action movies changed. That's true. Forever. They got so much better. Like the matrix, like the matrix did for action movies, what like the Pixies did for alternative rock, where they just they wrote new rules that everyone follows, even if you don't know that that's where they came from. Like this shit, where people like do these crazy like like we it was Kung the Fu. end of the action hero. Like we no we mm-hmm. no longer have this big brawny American dude that's gonna shoot you with a Gatling gun. Like we always have like these like. <laughs> we, yeah, we we have all these like the, these uh, these like suave characters or these like really fast agile characters or like these people that are going to outsmart the problem or we have the idea like characters that have this grudge against each other and now they're going to like sit down and monologue fucking philosophy at each other from across <laughs> a room like all this weird shit just didn't exist <laughs> like a fun. few decades ago. There's only there's all these weird elements of action movies that are just super common that just didn't mm-hmm. exist. Well, actually. Not that I think about it, weren't a lot of like fifties and sixties films? Uh, there. I mean, look at like you're James the only one Bond who knows anything action. about those movies. <laughs> this group. Uh, think about think about uh, the instances in which the hero would encounter the villain. There were tons of monologues back then too. They weren't quite as cryptic, nor was there a lot of like combat in between, and the villain surely wouldn't fight. But uh, there were there's like there was a, there's a, a fundamental style difference, like the Noir or the spy mm-hmm. films, th- that kind of deal. That's a, that's I a very di- that's that's talking, but it's a completely different type, basically. Mm-hmm. Like it's a completely different tone, but like, there's a very like, there's a very what noticeable would an thing. Evil person say, "I'm going to say that." There's a really <laughs> there's a super noticeable thing where watching an action movie from the 90s is like listening to alternative rock from the 80s and like something's massively mm-hmm. different about the thing that's called the same thing and you maybe can't tell what it is but it's huge. I mean it's like listening to old school hip hop like from like the uh yeah. like 80s or like early 80s or something is, like that. It is actually absolutely fascinating running run across like running across a a movie from the 90s pre like CG being a huge mm-hmm. thing like even even prior like star wars like action movies and stuff like that like uh what was i watching i think i was trying to watch like uh one of the rambo movies and i was just like this is hard to watch also, I'm, I'm trying to think back to the like, late 30s with like um errol flynn and stuff you know like the adventures again, of robin hood and whatnot you know yeah. way more about this than any of us well like as they uh, came out but- like star wars jurassic park and the matrix just changed everything as they came out, yeah, like they, oh, that Jurassic was, Park, that was huge. Yeah, Jurassic oh, Park. Oh, I love Jurassic Park. 
Jurassic Park and too. Jaws each respectively like had massive mm -hmm. dr effects on the direction of like the Hollywood blockbuster and the summer blockbuster and like how you make those mm -hmm. kinds of movies and how you structure them and stuff like that. Like there's just a I thing where like at the time, even if you don't notice it, if you watch stuff before and after a certain date, you see huge differences. Honestly, like, thinking about it, it might actually, I might say Indiana Jones might have had some amount Probably. of, because now that I'm thinking about it, like a lot of the Marvel movies kind of follow an Indiana Jonesy. Oh yeah, well Indiana Jones more being than a trilogy as well. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, continue with what you're but, saying. Sorry. Oh, oh, right, right. I think the interesting thing about Jurassic Park was I in a lot of sci-fi films prior, they would have the scientists investigating, you know, this new anomaly discovery. That's yada, yada. true. Yeah. And then they would have to fight some kind of monstrous creature mm -hmm. and whatnot. But Jurassic Park sort of brought that kind of science, but into the modern day was something that was potentially achievable. I don't know. We're probably not going to be able to get dinosaurs any soon. But <laughs> Dino I know that DNA. Uh, that's actually but sort of not true. Isn't there that one laboratory that's working on creating a woolly mammoth right now? Well, no, that's what I was just about to say. They will be able to oh. do at least Ice Age mm -hmm. I see what you're getting at. Because... Yeah. Uh, they they still need I think more information uh, I think mm -hmm. it's unfortunately a little bit too spliced but they even address that in Jurassic Park by saying that they had to add extra DNA from frogs and existing reptiles mm -hmm. which is why the plot went the way it did I always liked um, gender swapping whenever I, I my exposure to like really old sci-fi movies is entirely through Mystery Science Theater three thousand. And I think my favorite scenes in those movies are always when they get the scientist because it's the same character every time. You know, they go to Sometimes like the university the of yeah, probably, but you go to like the, the character's like, we need to go to the university to talk to the and get them to examine the the the, the sample. And then That's, there's always just this guy in like a lab coat, like <laughs> surrounded by beakers. That has no so like, I've never seen anything like this. That scientist is already a like a young woman. Who is Always assisted by a young woman. Who's sometimes their daughter. Yeah. And so, they just do science by flipping a switch. Guys, <laughs> and they become the love interest of the main hero. Have you guys typically. noticed that that's Will Wheaton now? Or no, not really. No. But what, that's Will, anytime what has he Will, been in? Uh, he's yeah. been a villain in more recent yeah, so things. Yeah, so whenever Will Wheaton shows up, he's like the vaguely science-y kind of sinister uh like bearded dude that shows up for like a mini arc or a season and then he's gone suggest i don't know it's just he's typecast himself that way uh he I, was that in uh big bang theory he was that in whatever sci-fi show you were watching oh oh that was um i don't think i've it, seen him in anything uh it's like the something <laughs> eight or yeah i don't dark, know dark matter dark yeah, matter dark matter <laughs> yeah he, um, he, was, he was also in uh what was it the guild yeah he was in the guild yeah. as one of the vaguely bearded villains. Or... Yeah, like, like for me, he was Wesley. Then they locked him in a locker for like 30 years. And then he, yeah. just, fucking, he just like popped out. To, so to, Neil Patrick to, Harris. He just popped out of a closet to like host uh, Tabletop. And yeah. That's oh, his yeah. entire career from my perspective. Yeah, no, he <laughs> acts in television shows now. And he's randomly just this like always kind of typecast as the same, you know, kind of intellectual nerdy guy with a really weird beard. And... <laughs> That's just that is, that's that just him. It's odd. <laughs> yeah, just like it's always the same character, and he's just like I've never seen anything like this. 
uh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then it's just like, you're going to have to go into the <laughs> caves with a stick of dynamite and blow them up. And then that's basically the rest of the movie. And then particles. you go, you go, they go into the cave. Uh, it takes them like 35 minutes. And then you just see like the weird, like clay animal puppet thing that just goes like, <laughs> and then they blow it up. And then that's the movie. It is actually interesting seeing remakes of all those old films, whether it be War of the Worlds they remake or them? The Thing. Yeah, The Thing. You know, the 80s The Thing was after, actually after the 50s The Thing. And oh, shit, you're right. And then there's yeah. also a 2010s The Thing. Oh. And yeah. Or everyone already, much like RoboCop and other remakes, everyone already forgot that one happened. Uh, there was it's like a the RoboCop thing total remake. yeah the thing total recall on RoboCop or like everyone already forgot all of those remakes remakes happened oh yeah I, I have to I had to show all my friends the original Total Recall because Arnold Schwarzenegger and that was Aaron one of those Stone. cases where when I saw the remake I literally just had to go home and watch the original one immediately to like mm -hmm. cleanse the palate cleanse it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting because I, I really did enjoy the new Mad Max but. My friends coming over to my house to see our old VHSs of the original ones. That was fun, too. Pretty mm -hmm. much, they, they always come over to my parents' house to see our old VHSs of anything that's being remade. It's like, here's the original version. You're basically <laughs> a museum. Yeah, I suppose. It, yep. It'll be a sad, sad day yep. when VHSs start to deteriorate. I don't, it's going to take remember. a have, long have time. This? <laughs> have we ever had a question or a topic about like what do we want to have never be remade? No, we never had that as no. a question. No, like, remade right because on it would be right bad, on top is or Dark remade Crystal. because it would be good. Yeah, I mean, pretty much anything from remakes always make the thing bad. <laughs> it's yeah, <always> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I prefer them. I prefer like spiritual sequels, like people kind of taking similar elements and remixing mm -hmm. it. Like you know, Prey, for example. Oh, oh but the, or the Bioshock or whatever. Sequels were terrible. And granted, Which a ones? lot of people Dragonheart. Dragon I oh. like the original Dragonheart, but people could argue otherwise. Really, it was Sean Connery that made it. One you know of the what I want? Dragons ever. I want to see them remake. All of the Disney classics. <gasps> no! They already are. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, actually, they're doing that. Was that the joke? Ah. No, the, well, oh, that's true. They are. They are doing like live action. No, I want Beauty them to the be. They're doing a live them. action Lion King. How can they do that? It's just going to be 3D animated. <laughs> they just get like a fucking lion. It's well, just like <laughs> it's just like stock footage of like safari lions with voices over them. <laughs> That's the thing. They yeah, used to do like things with live animals like Homeward Bound, but I think they're going I, Jungle Book I just, way of having highly rendered 3D animals. Yeah. At which point it's like it's I just animated. like the idea of having, oh shoot, who's the guy that always does the nature documentaries that has like the really famous... David Attenborough. Yeah, David Attenborough. <laughs> just yeah. being like, and then Simba ate Zazu. <laughs> oh, ah, them. Shit. With, uh, the, with uh, the ants. Yes. Yes, That's fan. not according to the script. <laughs> or actually maybe Fuck even you, better uh, yeah maybe even better uh what's his face from you know uh the guy that did the kind of like vaguely vaguely morgan freeman uh like 10 th uh facts about the the oh shit do you remember hmm? what the oh z frank there we go sorry i was distracted by the fact that someone like had z actually frank suggested a remake instead. of That'd the movie great. them and that's the one oh. with the giant ants david attenborough the giant is dead ants. i believe 
Oh yeah, oh. didn't he die also recently? From the 50s. Did he? I think that maybe that's why people were naming the boat after him. Uh, no, he's still alive. Yeah, I was gonna say the only he's I read a headline the other day that he was old. um he's old as he was shit, having though. he's having hearing problems. Yeah, that's, but no, he's but, still alive. Yeah. He's the oldest. He just finished filming a thing. Anyway, yeah, I want them to remake Mulan, but um, I was saying, what do you want? Not want to want to never get remade, <laughs> right? Yeah, I want them I, to remake Mulan, where um, like it's all three D animated, and but, like Mulan is like actually like an eight year old girl, and like. They go on like zany and she has adventures. Nightmares where they talk about sewing buttons over your eyes. The only way I would Ooh. accept a remake is if they just did. They took all of the audio and then just did the 3D models. Because I actually really like the like uh, Frozen uh, like Tangled 3D. Like a Game Grumps animated, but for a movie. Uh, <laughs> just reanimate the exact same so, movie. Yeah, I would love is, that. I actually saw over uh, my little vacation back to New York. I saw the new Beauty and the Beast. And growing mm -hmm. up, Beauty and the Beast was one of my favorite Disney movies, probably <gasps> the favorite. And I, because I had watched it enough, you, you know how you can pretty much guess at the next lines, it's sort of mm -hmm. memorized. Um, so obviously I had this comparison and I just noticed that the acting was a bit awkward. I did like what they did with Kevin Klein's Maurice and like adding a little bit more backstory with him and he wasn't quite as uh, uh, bumbly, I, I should say, as, as the old one was. Uh, but I don't know. that I felt like it was rushed at times. And uh, the characters, because they were 3D modeled, uh, a lot of the objects uh, didn't mm -hmm. actually exude enough expression. And that was quite unfortunate. Because, I mean, they had Ian McKellen as uh, Cogsworth and, uh, um, oh, come on, I should know. Uh, what they uh, should do is they the should remake Ian. Beauty and the Beast, what? but flip it. So, like, like Belle oh, is yeah. just, like, okay. incredibly it ugly and monstrous. Beast and is the just beast the only human. Is... Okay, <laughs> yeah. so if I becomes, wanted to I see, am legend. If I want, I if I ever saw like a new kind of Beauty and the Beast I movie, legend. made, I would want it to actually be a rendition of East of the Sun and West of the Moon, because mm. it's a mixture of Beauty and the Beast, uh, uh, Eros and Psyche. You know, like the old mm. Greek mythology tale. And then have a troll queen, the beast prince is actually like a massive polar bear, and uh, the female character actually has to save him in the second arc from the troll queen. So, yeah. Yeah. So does anyone have any serious questions or answers? Because I just okay. thought, like, my answer for things to remake was I was just like, I want to see if I can destroy everyone's childhood. I think um, I did okay. I mean, the question was, what do you want to not get remade? Not remade. Um, yeah, it would have to be uh, really nice classics that just couldn't be. Mm. I'm trying to think. It also wasn't even an audience question. It was just a, a, qu a question I asked in response to uh, 
the mm-hmm. topic of remakes. I mean, I just, not don't, even I movies. just don't want them to ruin Dark Crystal <laughs> ever. Yeah, not not I, even movies, <laughs> but I'd hate a like a Half-Life remake, which would never happen to begin with. But also, like, that would probably be really weird. AAA Studio remake of Half-Life. It was it's actually it's episodic. Fun. It comes out one hour per five months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Black Mesa. Shit. All right. Well, uh, let's throw that out the window. What other games? <laughs> yeah, Black Mesa was really good, actually. I, I never played um, enough of it. I saw you playing it. I was like, oh, that seems neat. I yeah. think there's a difference, though, between, like, a AAA studio remaking something and a bunch of fans being like, we need to remake this. The fans will pull out the stuff that they, that's generally, like, the stuff that really makes something good, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's not EA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My problem with AAA remakes are they're always, they almost always feel like a cash grab. Mm-hmm. And, like, a bad one. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Ratchet & Clank did the remake lately, and it, like, it wasn't bad, but it felt soulless. It's you know so much because the movie's terrible. Yeah. And it's a tie-in for this... a movie that's terrible. Yeah, we've had this discussion before where really it's just tiring that there's nothing mm-hmm. new coming into I'm Hollywood. I'm so sick of the Spider-Man yeah, like... remakes. I hope this new one's <laughs> yeah. going to be good so we actually Hopefully like, it'll be don't like the have final another... canon of it because we've yeah. seen hope what so too. <laughs> what they should do... Okay, so you know how people looked at Harry Potter and then they like made Quidditch into like a real sport and they played that a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. What they should do is they should do the same thing with John Madden's NFL. They should look at that and turn that into a sport. Turn video game versions of sports into real sports. Yeah. To blood bowl. No, no, they NFL should, no, football. Oh, they should make a sport me. out of football. Aren't they making a new version of rollerball or did they actually already come out with a new version of they should make a sport out of NBA Jam, where every time anyone gets the ball, they just throw it at the fucking hoop again. <laughs> <laughs> a sport out of, um, God, what was that? Like the, the old Sega Genesis NBA game where you could only control two people at a time. And they it was just like slam dunk contests. And the two characters like run together, kind of. Yeah. Almost like they were the people on a foosball table. <laughs> That was like the. I think that was the inspiration for early sports game was to make them play like foosball tables, where your your team would just kind of awkwardly run around as a grid that you were controlling simultaneously, and just weird you know, shit would happen. I'm not entirely sure. Wait, it, I think the game you just or not because they added another sport called basketball that they probably based that game off of. Wait, I think the game that you just described was just the game I was talking about, NBA Jam. Yes. Oh <laughs> shit! They did do that. They did just pick it up and throw it back. Wow. Oh, oh! I know good movies that shouldn't be remade. Um, any of the Ghibli films? Well, duh. They're timeless. I mean, anything that's two D animated almost pretty much doesn't need a remake. But but then Disney's doing all their live action stuff. It doesn't it's... need a remake. They're uh, doing it anyway. Uh, uh, like real life things. I I wouldn't mind seeing a remake of. Uh, shoot, what was it? Uh, Titan AE, just because that early oh, yeah, 3D Titan- was atrocious. Well, mm. Titan AE could actually translate into a good live-action film. But, but that's because, like, the 2D film, like, had a great concept and potential. just didn't quite hit the emotional chord. Uh, people are talking about Tremors. Ah, there's been too many sequels of that. Ass oh, blasters. I love the giant flying ass blasters. Those are the funniest <laughs> villains. What are we going to do? Commentary tracks for game. the entire Tremors and Starship Troopers game. franchises. 
I mean, I, I'd start with I used Starship to never Troopers say game when I was talking about. Oh. <laughs> I'm ruining people. Yes, but it's funny <laughs> when you ruin people that aren't me. <laughs> nope, suck it up, dude. It's a real problem when it ruins me. I'm infectious. I like the Tremors movies, honestly. Like, I find it hilarious that aside from Kevin Bacon, most of the like other members of the cast had at least uh, made appearances. And then the guy, the the guy that had his whole arsenal and was mm-hmm. the uh, like in movie universe husband of Reba McIntyre. That was one of her first like mo- acting roles before she became mm-hmm. like I actually she'd probably already become a huge country singer by that point. Probably, but in yeah. any case, uh, wasn't he pretty much a consistent fixture of the sequels up until maybe the fourth? There's been about six Tremors movies now. Yeah, there's been so Sorry, I'm many. reading about like what Ron Underwood has done since Tremors, and is he the, uh, I mean, he's the director. Oh, okay. He does a, he does a bunch of TV stuff. It looks he does like special appearances on like a lot of different things. Um. But yeah, it looks like he didn't really hit it out of the park so much. Like, oh, oh. 1990, Tremors. 2002, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, Shell, you would love The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Okay. You and Wander need to watch it. <laughs> this sounds like a trap. Okay. We'll keep that in mind. It sounds like a trap. <laughs> no, Before even okay. Even if you can't get Wander to watch it, oh. you should watch the Adventures oh. of Pluto Nash. Okay, I've so seen this. Murphy. I don't remember shit about it, but I remember. I probably it. remember the trailers for it. As an IMD speed score of a thirty three point eight and a meta score of twelve. Uh oh. Okay. Well, is that Whoa. His, what is that like? His Doctor Doolittle kind of era. What? I As, think so, yeah. That was definitely that was definitely the Murphy peak, or not the peak, day. but uh, a thirty-eight from the New York Daily News is the highest score that Pluto Nash has ever received. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was definitely. I think the Adventures of Pluto Nash was probably what like sunk Eddie Murphy because he was like on an upswing for a while. No, then no, he started Shrek, that, and it was Shrek. done. Oh yeah, Shrek took Eddie Murphy out because he made so much fucking money that he just didn't need well, to care anymore. Wasn't Pluto Nash after Shrek? No. No. Yeah. Shrek was it? Uh Shrek, Shrek oh, is 2001. Was Pluto I Nash is 2002. Time Daddy Daycare. Oh. I guess yeah. I guess you're right about that. I'm just thinking of Shrek 2, Shrek 3, uh Shrek Forever After, Shrek 5, which is going to be 2019-2020, not to mention the uh the side I think I've only seen the first Stuff. two, and I couldn't care. Yeah, to watch I feel anymore. like I chose poorly when I never watched past the second one. <laughs> I mean, chose correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you did a good job. Was, yeah, we. I think I tried watching the third, and it was terrible. The second one had like one or two moments that were okay, but then it ended. Ugh. It's interesting looking back through the careers of various actors and seeing what kind of roles they've played. See, I on. do that, and then I end up on, um, oh, shoot. I don't know, uh, how, I don't the, know if it's that tropes. interesting. It mo- I think it's mostly sucking us back into the IMDb hole again. Yeah, it pretty <laughs> much is. We have to pull back. We ha- but, this happens like once every three, two or three podcasts. We just have to I, escape the IMDb hole. 
I always just get stuck on um, all we did was read IMDb to each other. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, that guy was in that, and that was the whole conversation. <laughs> so I'm curious, Bird. Do you know? I, mean, I shrunk the kids, but Bird, are you aware of like, uh, like okay, how yeah. I can't talk over this? <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> what, were you, what were you asking me, Keith? I was curious if you would know, uh, like, what happened with alternative music. I kind of brought this up earlier. Like, what changed between the ni- the uh, 80s and the 90s? Alternative it, music is such a nebulously defined thing, you know? Like, it's really hard to say. Probably computers. Oh, it was, yeah. It was just a weird... Electronics. It, it was just a weird thing where... Like first alt rock changed, and then it started infecting pop music, and basically yeah. every chunk of music in general from that point on, mm-hmm. and it just got well, weird. Uh, part of it is Keith. We had computers, so bands didn't need to be the band. Like you could get uh, singers effectively who would sing to some like pre-made uh, piece of music from elsewhere, and I think that kind of took over as like one of the main reasons why music changed heavily. Uh, was you know you had a bunch of really good. So, so what I'm actually hinting at is loud, quiet, loud. Oh, you know what that is, Bird? Uh, isn't that like the the formula that like is most typically personified by smells like Teen Spirit and stuff like that? More or less, yeah. Like there was yeah. a there was the, like the Pixies started doing it, and then more or less Nirvana put out an album that was so fundamentally similar to a pixies album that actually had the same chord progressions and structures in its songs like it got that weirdly specific well i mean and the pixies was like absolutely the biggest influence on kurt cobain i think yeah he, like, he, so, he says that quite a bit like this came to mind anyway. this came to mind because of the fact we're talking about like how all those different specific movies change their genres when they came out and stuff like that and so mm-hmm. i was thinking about what happened to alternative rock because if you listen to alt-rock in the 80s, there just isn't any loud, quiet, loud. And then it just suddenly started happening. And now it's starting to affect all of pop music and just goes everywhere. And what that is, is is this weird thing where basically when the verses of the song are playing, you'll usually just mm-hmm. have like drums and bass guitar and soft singing. And then the, when the chorus comes in, suddenly the guitar starts going in with like really heavy... Uh, chords and the and the singer significantly louder and so on and so forth. So, like you really hear that with like in bloom and smells like Teen Spirit. Well, Wait like... a minute, I, that that sounds. I'm actually playing through a lot of Elvis songs in my head right now because I grew up with a lot of that, and the chorus lines definitely were louder. Um. Yeah, but I think that with alternative rock, there, uh, it's. It's a very specific phenomenon that, like, got the like Keith is alluding to, where um, this is like a topic that I only kind of know a little bit about because I don't. I'm actually too big of a fan of like um, alternative rock from the '80s or the Pixies, to be totally honest. I was just like, I'm gonna poke uh, the the music person. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that like with like this idea of like loud, quiet, loud, and stuff like that. It was different from um, like rock and roll because the in the eighties we had a lot more um, noise music influence in it at that time. So it wasn't just like you know it didn't like amp it, when when Elvis gets louder it's like hyping up the energy. When like the Pixies get louder it's like increasing the chaos. Yeah, and um, it's like it, instead of, it's not like like a 
like good mood it's just like more of like a scream or like a primal type of shout stuff like that oh, okay I yeah it's one of those it's one of those it's things those... where once you once you start noticing it, it becomes one of those things like with the music stuff where just like the moment you mm-hmm. notice it you co- you can switch back and forth between the decades and you can immediately pick up on like oh yeah, yeah like here's a look at look let's listen to ballroom blitz or rock this town and stuff like that and you start noticing that there's like a flatness to the song which isn't really good or bad but like the fact that like it's it's like so, mu- music used to be more consistent in what the song was throughout the duration of the song unless yeah. you were listening <laughs> to like rush or something what i just like now um especially is that i notice that people aren't focusing as much on the melodies uh, so it, it it seems like there are so many songs now. I, I can't pick out something that I can latch on to and many of the songs start sounding the same. It's really saddening. Sorry, there's like an alarm going on outside my window. I had to check it out. Did, what, did, what were you saying? Oh, I was saying that I was just disappointed that uh, in the past it seemed like there were concrete melodies that would mm-hmm. be used to like define the song. And now yeah. it seems like the chorus lines and... Like, it's about the, the rhythm and it's, it's about monotonous. like... It, 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 well, what it is, is it's the same note repeated over and over again. Like, think like, um, uh, like, was it Get Lucky, for example? Like, uh, da 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 Like, it's like the same note, like, over and over again. Uh-huh. And then like one note up. Yeah, like it's it, it's about um or like suit and tie. That was another like hit that I can think of. Where it was like da 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 da. Like it's the same notes over and over and over again. Whereas I think that with a lot of older music, it was defined very much like with a more it was a lot more like flowiness to to the melodies, and it kind of went more Unless it was funk all over the <laughs> more place. Percussive, yeah, yeah. Well, funk, I mean, it depends on the type of funk. Like, funk a is a whole, genre I actually know a ton about. So. There's a whole lot of popular funk, though, that is, like, one riff repeating for eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's some that's some tough stuff to get through sometimes. Yeah. Like, stuff, but it's then the type there's of stuff also, that you, like... Like, it's stuff, the type of stuff you only know because it's used as, like, a stinger for, like, a commercial or mm-hmm. something, and then you hear the real yeah. one, you're like, oh, that's the whole song, forever. It yeah. just keeps going. Like that. Exactly like that. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Like, some, like, really early funk, if you listen to it, it's, like, <laughs> nine minutes, and it's like... Get up, It's that for the entire song. And just, like, people being like, yeah... Come on, uh, yeah, <laughs> gonna get funky tonight, yeah. Like it's just supposed to be background for, like it's supposed to be just background for dancing or something. Yeah, it's, uh, but I do, I love George Clinton. Oh my God. I love like that early funk so much because it's like the weirdest stuff. Like, I, um, I don't know, like if you all have ever like even heard of, like a lot of like the stuff that he did, but like he would just get like a chorus of people to just like shout things behind him and like kind of to rhythms. 
And then he would get like people to sing and it was like this really weird like back and forth where it was just like groups of people shouting and then like somebody singing, then groups of people shouting. Ah, George Clinton's awesome. So yeah, we've talked about, um, let's re-reel this back into video games, I guess. Because this (laughs) is ostensibly... Let's get to something that uh, Warner wants to talk about. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've had this oh. question for a little while. Uh, let me find it. Okay, I didn't put it away. Okay. Um, sorry, he's been long. He's been te- teasing us with a nebulous question. Yeah, well, of unknown I, origin. I was gonna ask it a while ago, but then Shell oh, was busy, and then you had the politics this. thing, and <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so the question is, okay, so Keith, you're standing in waist deep water. In thick, gross, muddy water, sorry. You're groggy, and you don't know where you are. But before you can get your bearings, a dark humanoid shape emerges from the water in front of you. It's carrying a rusty hook and a shield made of what was probably the top of a barrel once upon a time. It doesn't look friendly, and you only have a few seconds before it reaches you. What do you do? This is not at all what I thought this was going to I know. Is this like a choose-your-own-adventure, like... Are, you, are, are we playing a D&D campaign today? <laughs> Is that, is that uh, why you said it was going to take a you while? Got in a, you got in a hole-in-one, which is why I wanted time. So, uh... <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? You guys said, like, a couple Answer weeks ago a that you wanted... question, Keith. I wasn't fucking ready for this. Uh, you, you, you guys said so a couple weeks ago you wanted somebody so- to make a D&D campaign for you, so I did. And then well, I decided I'd ask it as part of a question. What was the mud situation again? So you're, like, you're, waist, deep, you're waist deep in mud. Is going to be hell to edit, but that's okay. 